Welcome to episode number 52 of Taking You to the Top. Today's guest is the co-founder of Orgzit. Orgzit is a B2B SaaS technology product company. Their web and mobile product looks like a spreadsheet, but provides powerful functionalities for data organization including access controls, automation using workflows, and powerful business analytics. Join Rami in welcoming him to the show. If you have any questions for our guest today, please leave them in the comment section below. Also, if you'd like to get more data on any of our guests, please download the Taking You to the Top app from our website. That being said, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they built and launched their businesses. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Are you ready to take it to the top? All right, Nitin, welcome to episode number 52 of Taking You to the Top. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Rami. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me here. My pleasure. So, Nitin, to get us started, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and maybe taking us back from the beginning, tell us where you're from, where your journey started, and how that led you to founding your company. Sure. Uh, hi everyone, I'm Nitin Varma, originally from India. I did my schooling and engineering, uh, bachelor's of engineering in India. Uh, then I went to the US to study uh, my master's in environmental engineering. I always wanted to build things in my life. And uh, so I worked in the US developing water and renewable energy infrastructure, in, uh, first in, on the East Coast and then on the West Coast uh, for a couple of engineering companies and a couple of utility companies. I did that for about six years. And then in 2006, uh, 2010 and 11, I studied my MBA from INSEAD in, in Paris and Singapore. And after that, I moved back to India to build infrastructure in India. Then I've been working with the World Bank Group, uh, with IFC and the World Bank Group. And then I've also done a couple of startups of my own prior to starting Oxid and mostly in the engineering space. And uh, so then uh, in 2017 or 2016, we started working on Oxit as a side project. Uh, basically, we were working a lot on spreadsheets and I, wanted, I was just getting tired of working on spreadsheets and the challenges around spreadsheets. So we wanted to solve that problem for us as well as for other businesses who were basically working on a lot of spreadsheets. Right. So uh, was the company launched in 2016 or did you just start you know, planning it? Right. So actually, we had a, another company because we were running another IT services business and an engineering business prior to starting Oxit. So Oxit mm -hmm. was our second or third product that we experimented with. And like I said, it started off as a as a side project. And uh, so we did have a registered company, uh, but it was doing some other businesses at that time. Okay. So when when was Oxit officially its own company? So Oxit was, as a product, uh, was launched uh, in 2017. We onboarded our very first customer, I think in June 2017. And um, yeah, so that's when it sort of started standing on its own feet. Okay, got it. Um, so Nitin, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit more about what Oxit does and what you're trying to achieve. 
third. So at Oxit, we help um, B2B engineering. So we're focusing on B2B engineering and industrial companies, which are typically known as traditional engineering companies, adopt cloud and mobile technologies. And what we are helping them do is basically helping them um, move their business workflows on a, on a cloud and mobile technology platform using our no-code technology solution, uh, which is... Uh, which is uh, basically where you can come and build business process management applications uh, without writing any code. And uh, the code value that we are able to provide to engineering companies, if you look at a typical engineering company, even today, they're using a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of emails, and a lot of the work is being done on archaic business tools. And the primary challenge uh, that these companies have is that they have to deal with a lot of varied data and there's a lot of customization involved. Right. Uh, so uh, they're not able to use the standard off-the-shelf products or they're not able to invest in uh, customizable uh, uh, CRMs or customizable project management solutions. So that's where Oxid, that's the gap that Oxid is trying to fill. Okay, got it. And is it is it easy enough for your average person to put together a workflow on his own or are you assisting them in that? Right. So uh, basically, we have two types of customers. So some customers do have an engineering or IT IT team within their businesses, and for them, mm-hmm. it's very easy to put together the workflow. So like, I'm not a software developer, and I am able to build software uh, on the Oxid platform for many of our customers. I'm the sort of the chief architect of many of the software. So uh, with a little bit of basic understanding, people are able to do that. But then there are a lot of customers who require professional services as well. And uh, because they just don't have the time or the ability to define how software should work. And so there we are building a team of engineers and uh, business consultants who are able to help uh, these companies uh, with uh, configuring the software and provide business consulting to them to move to Oxid and to move to the cloud. Okay. And um, how, how's the revenue model? Is there like a SaaS aspect to this? It sounds like maybe right. the first the first type of customer could be a SaaS-based customer. Yeah. So in fact, uh, 90% of our revenue comes from software as a service fee. Uh, so we basically have two streams of revenue. Uh, one mm-hmm. is a, a recurring a monthly recurring fee or an annual recurring fee. So most of our customers either sign up on an annual plan or a quarterly plan, uh, especially after they have um, they've understood the value that Oxid is creating for them. They go for an annual plan because sure. we have some discount offers. Uh, but um, uh, so that's about 90% of our revenue today and about 10% of that we give as professional services or uh, support services, uh, which is basically to help uh, our customers with three key elements. One is to provide them business consulting uh, in some cases, and then we are also building a partner network. So we are going to be outsourcing some of the, or basically there would be an ecosystem of players who are providing business consulting on the opposite platform. Mm-hmm. The second is uh, technical support to configure the business workflows on the Oxid platform itself or with providing some integrations in some cases. If a company already has, a let's say, an accounting software like QuickBooks or Tally, uh, then they need integrations with that software. So they need some IT uh, implementation support. Okay. And you said there was a third? Yeah, and the third one is uh, training and support. So a lot of times uh, our engineering teams, they have uh, people who are distributed across multiple project sites, multiple engineering offices. Uh, So they need uh, some kind of training and support, which is uh, not on the 
uh, not on the IT product, but on the solution that has been built for that particular company. So we also provide, uh, we have some customer support people who make videos in different languages and uh, provide right. uh, uh, provide uh, support, individual support to people uh, on how to use the system, how to enter data or how to upload data into the system and, and uh, different kind of support services. Okay, um, it kind of sounds like you are almost at like that 100% mark. You could probably outsource that remaining 10%, right? Do you think so, so? Uh, it is actually a strategic. It's actually a strategic call not to outsource services because it helps us in uh, two things. One, it helps us keep us very close to our customer, mm -hmm. and second, it helps us in uh, in better understanding what new product features to build. So, one, how our customers are using, and then second, how to because we're still a very young company, so we're building a lot of new features and capabilities into the product. Uh, so it helps us in prioritizing the features that our customers are demanding. Sure, sure. Okay, got it. And uh, what's and typically your... the customers that we serve, uh, typically, sorry, uh, typically just one other important thing. Uh, typically the customers that we serve are not uh, not on the types which are uh, going to go on LinkedIn or uh, on Twitter. These are people who don't even have a LinkedIn profile typically. I mean, it's, uh, you'll typically find them on a conference or, or, a, or a, at a construction site. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to get into how you got your first customers uh, in the next section, because um, that's always interesting. Um, most of the guests that come on, that have come on so far, usually, you know, LinkedIn is their number one channel. But I'm interested to right. see your your favorite or your number one channel. But we'll get to that in a minute. So. Um, Currently, what's the sure. company team size? So we are uh, seven people as of right now. So there are two founders and then we have a team of five, uh, four engineers and one customer support representative. Okay. And uh, is, do you have any like sales rep? Uh, like I mean, I'm the only sales rep in the company right now. So the, oh, okay. sure. the founders are doing the sales right now. Okay. Got it. Um, any plans to hire sales? Absolutely. Uh, so we are. Um, so our uh, target is to hit about a million dollars into current revenue, um, and then uh, we would hire sales reps. But before that, uh, we are actually hiring for inside sales reps who can generate leads, uh, which we can then go and close. So okay. we want to build it, build up the sales team in two stages. Stage one would be for lead generation. And uh, so we have experimented with some lead generation activities in the past uh, by both hiring in internal people as well as working with agencies. Um, and uh, but right now we don't have anybody. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's something which uh, which we're going to be hiring in the next in 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 fact this quarter. Okay, got it. Um, well, since since you mentioned the recurring revenue, if you wouldn't mind. Um, can we just get into a little bit of the economics of the company, just so we can have a general understanding? Um, was the company bootstrapped or did you raise capital? Yeah, we're 100% bootstrapped. So all the equity is owned by uh, the founders and uh, some equity is given as ESOPs to some of the employees. Okay. And by any chance, are you able to share with us a range or you know, of how much money was spent to launch the company? The, uh, so like we, at least the uh, initial stage. 
Yeah, so if I include the opportunity cost of us, the founders sort of dedicating um, uh, time in building the product. Uh, so we did not have a first team uh, member, uh, I think, uh, for, for the first nine, 10 months of building the product. So we first started spending money only around uh, November, December of 2016. Uh, we started building Oxygen in April. Uh, so for the first uh, six to nine months, we did not have any people. But then uh, we, um, uh, so we spent, if you, uh, if you uh, look at, so, so far we would have spent maybe, maybe about $150,000 in building the product. And, uh, uh, and then uh, uh, at the time of uh, building the product, I mean, if you take the opportunity cost, it will maybe about $100,000 investment. Okay, understood. And do, do you think you would ever need funding? Are you considering it at any point? Yeah, so at the moment, uh, one of the things that we are trying to, our immediate goal is to establish a repeatability model or a repeatable model, we call it a flywheel. And uh, so we are very close to establishing a, a repeated, repeatable flywheel model in which basically if we put in a dollar, we are able to get a dollar and 10 cents out of the business. Sure. Um, so, uh, and we have a, a we, we have a very low churn in the business. So we have all the positive signs. Uh, the only thing which is not really well defined for us is the uh, the scalability in terms of uh, whether we want to go for a, with a venture kind of growth model or whether we want to uh, grow this business sustainability to maybe a few million dollars in annual recurring revenue uh, because the market is still very large and at the moment uh, given the background of uh, both me and my co-founder we are very uh, sort of comfortable in the in building this company bootstrap so at least for the next uh, so in fact i just turned down a term sheet a couple of days back fantastic i mean i'm always uh, i'm always supporting the bootstrap model <laughs> if if that's like viable yeah so yeah so like i said a lot of our customers agree to sign up on year to year contracts um, and uh, uh, so when we sign our year-to-year contracts, so cash flow has never been a problem for us uh, right from day one. It has okay. been more, uh, more. Uh, so at the moment, if we, um, if you look at the total revenue that we are making, we are basically ramen noodle, ramen noodle profitable. So both the founders are able to take a little bit money home. Uh, we, our team, uh, because it's a very lean team, we are able to take some. Uh, we keep, we are able to keep on investing in building the product, uh, but at a much slower rate compared to a venture venture-backed company. But sure. we are happy with it. The founders are happy with it. Fantastic. And uh, since you mentioned uh, recurring revenue, do you mind sharing what the current ARR is? So we are uh, we are hoping to be uh, like we are somewhere around hundred thousand dollar mark uh, annual recurring revenue, uh-huh. and uh, we are hoping to be uh, somewhere between maybe ten to fifteen thousand dollars by end of this year. Okay, understood. Um, and our okay. customers are, yeah, our customers are primarily based in India and uh, and in the US. So we actually started off as a hundred percent India company, and now we are focusing on selling mostly in the US market because that's where uh, people are driving much more value uh, in terms of the in terms of the product uh, capabilities that they are able to enjoy. Right. No, no, absolutely. I I, I fully understand. Um, this next section is, you know, to, to understand more about the marketing side and how you went about getting your first customers. So was it more of a word of mouth approach or did you actually, you know, spend some ad dollars to get your first customers? 
Yeah, so we, uh, so our first time customers came through basically our, ne our personal networks or professional networks. So I basically knew the people who had the same problem as I was having. Like I said, mm -hmm. we was we started Oxid as a side project. So we right. essentially showed them this is what uh, this is what the benefit of using our software is, and uh, that's when uh, the first ten customers signed up. And okay. then since then we have been experimenting with the various uh, various channels. So we have experimented with ads a little bit. But I mean, nothing very serious. Maybe we will have spent maybe $500 or uh, $1,000 overall. Uh -huh. We have experimented. We, we continuously do a lot of SEO work. So uh, we have experiment, experimented with inbound marketing, uh, but that's a very, very long-term story. And we need specialists in terms of content marketing. Uh, so we don't, we don't really have that skill in-house right now. So we work with external agencies or freelancers to help us uh, churn out a little bit of content every month. So one or two blogs a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but nothing very serious. So that's worked really well for us, especially for targeting US market, because that's Absolutely. where uh, we get some uh, we get some inbound interest. Uh, and the third one, of course, like any other B two B SaaS company, is LinkedIn. So LinkedIn has worked uh, pretty well for us to generate initial interest in having conversations with potential customers. All right. Um, out of curiosity, um, have you looked? specifically or in more detail on the, the SEO side? I mean, or are you just treating them all as, you know, experiments at the moment? So they are all, uh, I think they are all uh, experiments at the moment because uh, I would be, uh, like, like I said, I mean, not many of our companies, uh, they, uh, I mean, uh, I've heard different stories uh, uh, of how people look for software. Uh, so in some cases, outbound works really well. In some cases, inbound works really well. And uh, it's, so it's not um, it's not 100% well-defined right now. So we have okay. to do both, I guess. Well, uh, just for your future reference from the SEO side, I'm seeing here some keywords related to your website, like uh, CRM versus ERP, for example, gets a, a thousand searches a month. Do, do you, would you mm -hmm. consider that to be uh, high enough volume? Absolutely not. Um, um, I mean, I think uh, we need to get a, so at the moment, I think we get about 2000 visitors or 2500 visitors on our website on a monthly basis from okay. all the channels. And uh, um, uh, yeah, because that is a lot, that is a long gestation period before people decide to actually sign off on a, on a software deal. Sure, I mean so it's not. So it's not a. It's not. I mean it's not a. Uh, it's not an immediate decision that people make uh, when they're going and buying a workflow management software. So it takes like. So our typical sales cycles are anywhere between three months to six months. Okay, um, out of curiosity, uh, for the SaaS side of the business, how much are you charging for, let's say, the the quarterly package? Yeah. So. We charge on a per user per month basis. So all our pricing is based on, on the per user per month. And uh, uh -huh. that ranges from $15 to $39, uh, depending on uh, two things, the number of users uh, that are there. So we have bulk user discounts. And then if you're signing up for an annual plan, uh, then there are discounts. Okay, understood. But uh, it's broadly in the range of $15 per user per month to uh, $39 per user per month, depending on uh, basically these two factors. 
Okay. But do, do you think that if you changed your pricing, it would reduce that fine, uh, you know, onboarding period? Onboarding, the, I don't uh, more, no, more like the, I, the, the, yeah. so the period we, to so decide, I, I mean. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Um, so in terms of, so we we uh, we have done ROI analysis for all our customers, and uh, uh, generally speaking, uh, the way we came up with the pricing was based on the value that we were able to create. So, for example, a customer who's paying me thirty dollars a month, we are able to demonstrate to them that we are able to generate three hundred dollars or more value for them. Okay. That's so awesome. normally we price normally we price a product. For a customer, which is one tenth uh, the uh, the value that they are able to derive from the software. Okay. And is it a specific like area of the software that you're able to generate this sort of information for them in advance? I mean, how are, how are you telling him that he you're providing him three hundred dollars worth of value upfront? Yeah, so basically there are uh, there are uh, so we 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 are, we are focusing on some spe uh, specific use cases. So for example, we are focusing on sales enablement solutions for B two B engineering companies. Mm -hmm. uh, so for example, uh, we we have a very good solution for uh, CPQ software or quotation management software, yeah. uh, which tends to be a pretty uh, pretty big value generator for companies because uh, even if they are able to close one additional deal. Uh, one salesperson is able to close one additional deal per quarter that itself pays for the software multiple times over. Right. Um, so, and in addition to that, uh, the amount of time, uh, so Oxid is actually a productivity enhancer. So for example, one of our customers, um, they were spending about one hour or one to two hours per quote earlier, and that has been reduced to uh, about 15 minutes. And uh, earlier uh, they were doing about 20 to 50, 20 to 50 quotes or 20 to 40 quotes per month. Now they're able to do 60 quotes per month. Okay. Right? Okay, got and, it. And, big, and bigger quotes and they're able to chase deals faster. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a combination of uh, one, uh, less number of missed opportunities or less leakage. And secondly, in terms of productivity improvements. So somebody who's getting paid, let's say $25 an hour, if you're able to save like, 10 hours a month or five hours a month, you basically save a lot of money for them. Absolutely, okay. Uh, no, that's that's very clear. Um, so Nathan, if you wouldn't mind, uh, let's wrap up with the famous five. Right, uh, so uh, my favorite business book is uh, Hard Things About Hard Things. Uh, is there a CEO that you're following? Um, so I like uh, I like a couple of CEOs. Um, so I like Elon Musk, like pretty much every other startup guy likes. Uh, mm -hmm. But I like, uh, like from a practical perspective, I like a CEO in India, uh, Bharti. Uh, there's a company called, uh, in the telecom space called Bharti Airtel. So I like Sunil Mittal of the Bharti Airtel group. Um, what's your favorite online tool? Um, so I like a uh, couple of them. So we love Slack. So we live on Slack essentially, especially uh, since it's been um, uh, remote working for us. But the other tool as, a, as the CEO of the company, I really love to use is uh, ProfitWell or something which helps me keep track of my monthly recurring revenue. And, and, uh, and basically, and uh, yeah, basically that's probably the favorite tool that I go to every Monday. Uh, oh, so could, uh, are you using so like solely profit well? 
Yeah, so we use ProfitWell and we use our own software for invoicing. So we manage uh, invoices on our own Oxid software right now because the volume is a little small. Uh, but then we use ProfitWell for tracking our churn rates and stuff like that. Fantastic. Uh, I can't remember which episode it was, but I did uh, interview the CEO of ProfitWell. Okay. I think awesome. it was maybe a, a month ago. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so we're on number four. If you could give your 20-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, start a lot sooner. So I just turned 40. I wish I had started when I was 20 years old with my own venture and not waited till I was 37 or 38. Right, right. Okay. And the uh, final I question, get, how many hours of sleep to, do you get? Uh, I have two little girls, uh, so I try to spend as much time as I can with them. But uh, normally I get, and then I'm selling mostly in the U.S. market now. And uh, especially being being in India with the time difference right now. Uh, so I, I have to keep shuttling between offices, but that's not possible with COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, at the moment, I'm getting about six hours of sleep a week, a day. Okay. Perfect. Well, Nitin, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to learn more about your business. And I hope maybe a year from now, we could have a follow-up call to see where the business has gone to. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks, thanks again. Thanks for having My me. My pleasure. Again. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for watching today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on any of the available podcast platforms so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you have an extra minute, leaving a review would help us grow.